got that afternoon slump happening where you've like had your lunch, you've listened to your amazing speakers, and you're like, oh, it's time for a wee snooze. Well, it's not time for a wee snooze because a wee snooze. That's my slight Scottishness coming out there. As you can tell, I'm not actually Scottish. I just live there. Because uh, I thought every kids' ministry conference needs to have a game, doesn't it? Yeah. Especially when it gets to the afternoon. So, you're not to look for your resources yet. You have to listen to the explanation to the game first. And then when you've heard the game, then you can find the resources for it. At the end of your row along the aisle, there is, don't look for them yet. <laughs> there is a paper plate with some strawberry shoelaces on it. What you're going to do is you're all going to stand up. You're going to put a strawberry shoelace in your mouth. This is a great little uh, game filler. And you put your hands behind your back. And when I say go, you have to gobble it up as quickly as you possibly can. When you have finished eating your strawberry shoelace, you have to sit down. The first person to sit down wins a wee prize. Okay? So how are we going to do this? You want a big prize, not a wee prize. How we're going to do this is... The person at the end of your row is going to find your plate of strawberry shoelaces and pass them along. And put it in your mouth, stand up, and wait for my say so. Okay? No hands, no hands. So stand up once you've got it, pop it into your mouth. <laughs> Some selfies occurring. Twilight. We live there? Everyone standing up? Is everyone joining in? No. Do you not like strawberry natures? Or we'll let you away with it. Everyone else got? Awesome. Okay. So on your marks, get set, go! speaking to me about recently. Um, my name is Jude and uh, you're going to see a picture of my lovely family. This is at Christmas this year. <laughs> this is myself, my husband Archie, who I met surfing the internet 16 years ago. For those people that don't believe in God's sovereignty over the internet, you've not met him. 
He's amazing. It was quite controversial then, but not very controversial today. Uh, we have three children. We have Samuel, who is 10. We have Isaac, who is a typical middle child, but not showing it in this picture, uh, who is eight. And we have little Kezia over here, who is six. Um, and they bring me lots of joy and lots of challenge, as I'm sure, as parents, you'll all be aware. Um, I love all things interior design. That's why I have a nice, pretty PowerPoint. Uh, I would like to say that Nicola brings the brains, Mark brings the laughs, but I can embed a font into a PowerPoint, which neither of them can, so I'm going to teach them later how to do that. <laughs> uh, so I love interior design. I uh, love an ideal homes magazine. I uh, love the beach. That's why I moved to Aberdeen. It's not really, it's because I married Archie who lived in Aberdeen. Um, and I love hanging out with friends. That's probably my favourite thing, just hanging out with my friends, having fun together, and just doing life together. Now, uh, what I do, I was a primary school teacher. I trained in Winchester, uh, so I'm originally from the south of England. And uh, I've always been involved in kids' ministry. When I was 17 and I was about to go to university, a lady from my church, talking about significant relationships, she came up to me and she said, Jude, I feel like God said to me that you're going to be uh, speaking to children. You're going to be, I had a picture of you sitting down with kids surrounding you and you were telling them about Jesus. I was like, oh, I am meant to be going to university to do teaching. And I taught for five years, uh, taught for a little bit in England, whoop, 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 uh, and then taught for three years in Scotland. Um, and I found that I had this increasing frustration with the fact that actually all I wanted to do was tell my class of kids about Jesus. And whilst I could when they asked me a question, I had this picture that dear Penny Pope had had for me of me sitting with kids surrounding me telling them about Jesus and I wasn't doing that on a daily basis. And so I was involved in kids ministry from when I was a teenager, we talked about those teenagers and uh, we firmly believe in getting our teenagers involved in our kids ministry and I've seen huge growth in a lot of them in terms of leadership. Uh, and I did that myself and I went to university, carried on doing kids stuff uh, in my church and then um, when I moved up to Aberdeen, we worked in a really deprived part of the city, uh, ministering to children that really uh, had very little. And uh, we got absolutely burnt out. We used to have 100-odd kids coming along every week. We used to visit them between times, take them around a wee colouring competition sheet and say, come back with it the next week. And my husband and I were exhausted. We didn't have any children then ourselves. And we said, right, he worked for the Church of Scotland at the time. He was going to retrain to be a teacher. Uh, retrained to be a teacher so basically we could find a church where we felt that we could be ourselves because we were in a, a quite a dry church and uh, we came to City Church and we said we're not going to get involved at all in the kids ministry week one I'm just going to go and see what's going on downstairs couldn't resist it um, and ended up being asked to be the children's pastor probably about 10 years ago we had 19 children in primary age and probably about 10 preschoolers at the time and gradually, we kind of totally rebranded it and called it uh, Mad Making a Difference because we wanted what we were doing to make a difference in the kids' lives, in their families' lives, in their community life, but also ultimately in eternity. Mm. I always say, if I don't get to heaven and see a whole load of kids that I've spoken to there, then I haven't done my job. 
because actually what we're doing is extremely significant for the kingdom of heaven. Anyway, so we took over the kids' ministry in the church. We went from one location. Very quickly, we started outgrowing the building that we were in. Didn't have enough space for the kids. Didn't have enough space for the adults. We, to cut a long story short, we tried to buy different buildings. None of that happened. And we started doing a multi-site church. And so we went from one location to two locations. And now five years on, we're at seven locations. And we do kids' ministry in seven locations. I oversee that, which is absolutely crazy in itself. Uh, and I have a team of five staff, including myself, and two kind of interns that work with me. And we have about 300 people that do kids' ministry across all, all our locations. Yeah, and to say that it feels like a house made out of cars that's about to collapse at any time would be very true. And so if any of you are either going into multi-site church or um, you have multiple services and you want to know how to do that, I'd love to speak to you. Because actually, when we started, there weren't any other multi-site churches. And so we were kind of on our own in the journey. But you know, God is so faithful. I was saying to someone this morning, you know where it says in the Bible, the harvest is plentiful, but the works are few. All we forget is the next bit that says, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to provide the workers. They're his children. And so he's going to provide the people uh, to do what he wants to do. So as well as overseeing uh, the kids' ministry in those seven locations, Archie and I are actually pastors of one of those locations, which I love to do in my free time, <laughs> uh, which has been an incredible journey because actually we're getting to do church with our friends and with our kids' friends on our local doorstep. And we get to see families that are in mess and turmoil come into the church and, and see that beautiful thing that you were talking about, Mark, about the whole church getting around families that are in need. And it's just been amazing. What I feel like God's been speaking to me about recently, so that's who I am, what I, what I do. But one of the things I feel like God's been speaking to me about recently is single mums and broken homes. We live in a society with a lot of brokenness. And actually, he's called me to get alongside just the ones and twos that he's put in my place. And to get alongside them and show them what wholeness can look like and what as a church we can do. We've got people that are doing washing. We've got people that are teaching one of these single mums. She's got four children. She's never learned how to cook. And there's somebody going along to her house every week and teaching her how to cook. Someone else has bought them a washing machine so they didn't have a washing machine for all their kids' clothes. I've sat alongside her in social work meetings, been there for her when she's come back out of court. You know, church, we have a really significant role to play in these families. And so, it was interesting because we recently had a lady come along to church who was a primary school teacher in one of the local schools. And she'd been there for about two or three weeks. And I said to her, so where are you at? What are you thinking about church? Is this kind of the place you want to settle? And uh, she said to me, actually, Jude, this week I looked around and I saw some of the most broken families in our school and thought, I don't know if I can do this. So I found myself saying to her, listen, we want to be reaching more of these families. We want to be reaching more of these people that are in brokenness and that are the most difficult in your school. And so actually, there's a church down the road that you could go to, or you could go and try this place if this isn't your place, because we're not changing what God's put on our hearts. And I got home and I was like, 
Archie, I've just persuaded someone not to come to our church. We're not meant to do that. And so I um, Facebook messaged her. I was like, I'm really sorry. I just want you to know that uh, we would love for you to be a part of us. Uh, but if you feel like that's too much, then you need to work that out with the Lord. And she sent me a message uh, afterwards and said, after I spoke to you, and after I spoke to my husband, I realised I want to be a part of a church that loves people as Jesus loves them. That's great. That's great. So what I want to say to you this afternoon, do you want to be a church that loves people like Jesus loved them? And actually, ministering to the children is actually a key part of that. A really key part of it. Because the parents care for their kids. Even if they're in brokenness, they still love their children. And so actually what you do for the least of those, you do for me, says Jesus. Okay, so uh, I'm going to be talking about leaving a lasting legacy. And I wanted to do that in two parts this afternoon. I wanted to talk about, firstly, how do we personally leave a lasting legacy for our children in our church? So that's about our own journeys, really, and we're going to talk a bit about, more about that. But then also, how do we, along with our children, leave a legacy on our kingdom? Because actually, these children aren't the church of tomorrow. They are the church of tomorrow, but they're not just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. They have a significant role to play in the churches that you are in today. And so we're going to look at that a little bit, too. But before I wanted to go on to that, I wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, one of those things, we've kind of already uh, talked about loads already this, this morning, and that is about how important children are. Why do we know children are important? Because Jesus says so. So there's, um, on this next slide, go for Esther. Oh no, yeah, carry on, carry on, perfect. Can I just say, Esther is one of the most amazing, humble people I know. Her 12 o'clock alarm was time to pray, people. <laughs> she said, don't embarrass me, but I feel like, you know, we should honour our prayers. We should honour the people that pray for our kids' ministry. She's now even redder than she was when Mark embarrassed her, so that's good. <laughs> so it says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But this is the bit that Nicola didn't say. Go on to the next slide. And whoever... Oh, I think you did do this actually. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That is how important these kids are to Jesus. Yeah? That is how important these kids are to Jesus. So not only did Jesus say that they're important, but actually we're saying they're important. We're saying our kids' ministry in Elim and from wherever else you've come from is important. And I felt like God spoke to me this week and I shared this with Nick. I felt like there are people here today that feel devalued. There are people here today that have been ploughing and ploughing and ploughing and sowing and sowing and sowing for years and years 
and no one sees. And it's so easy to let our hearts grow tired and weary and to become a little bit bitter. Jesus wants to say to you today, you are so significant. You are so important and so is what you're doing. I feel like we're going to have a bit of time for ministry at the end. And if you're feeling like those dry bones that we spoke about earlier, we sang about earlier at the beginning, and you feel like, actually, I need to know that what I'm doing, God sees. We would love to pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit just to come and speak into that. So not only that, but it's a significant age group. We've talked about this already, and there's a thing, a movement called the 4 to 14 window. And it basically says that the, the largest percentage of people becoming Christians do so. And we've mentioned this twice already, so it must be from the Lord. Between the ages of 4 and 14. So we're just going to watch a wee video. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I did embed my videos, people. But he doesn't have the right software on his computer, can I just say? <laughs> uh, yes, that one. There is a window, a window you might like to know about. You might kind of let you look at the sky. It's a window that opens up inside a child's heart, a window of time. Because over 70% of all decisions for Christ happen during a very precise window from ages 4 to 14. And those who accept Jesus during this window are more likely to keep the faith. But that's not surprising, is it? said, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's a great question. If 70% of all decisions for Christ happen during the 4 to 14 window, why does the average church focus only 3% of its resources there? Remember when the children came to Jesus, his disciples said, don't bother the teacher. The disciples looked down. But Jesus knelt down and saw open windows, open hearts, open minds in need of his love. And he said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In fact, God saw the full potential of children over and over in scripture. Like David, a simple shepherd boy chosen by God to kill a giant. Samuel, a little boy called in the night to be God's prophet. Miriam, who saved her brother Moses so he could save God's people. And Jesus himself, at age 12, revealing great wisdom to the adults in the room. Where the world sees immaturity or foolishness, God sees open windows, tender, trusting hearts, responsive to his leading. But today's children need our help. Around the world, a billion kids, half of all living children, suffer physical poverty. Meanwhile, children in developed nations live in spiritual poverty. Only 3% see life from a biblical perspective. But we can bring hope. Four out of five kids still hunger for God, and we can help them find Him and awaken the heart of belief that God sees in them. Today, we have an amazing opportunity to bring God's love to millions of open windows. Children at home and around the world receptive to the truth. So let's give our very best, where it counts the very most. Let's see children with the same great stature that God does, 
because the best way to shine light into a dark world is through open windows. Visit 4to14window.com. Win the heart of a child across the street or around the world while the window is still open. So no pressure, but you guys are the people that are the very best investing in our children. You have an incredible honour. And uh, what I'm going to do now is I've got a little, um, oh, can we go to my um, little tool, my little toy? Oh, yeah. Um, I've got this little toy that I've been introduced to recently, which I'm kind of loving. Uh, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to go on to uh, menti.com on your phones. So if you type in menti.com and then use this code 15163, and you all enter the age that you became a Christian, you tick it, you'll see the graph coming up. It's quite cool. A little bit of interaction. It's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool, isn't it? So, there we go. Oh, somebody, one to three. So, menti.com, 15163, there we go. So you're 22, you can see how many people are filling it in at the bottom here. There's still a few more of you to do it. I feel like you need some kind of background music. The little countdown. Once you've all done. How many people are there, Nick, here? About 80. 50. So nearly everyone, anyone still to do it? Pop your hand up if you're still to do it. You're still wrestling with your phones, that's okay. Keep going, give me a few more minutes. <coughs> Isn't that amazing that already you can see that between even the ages of one and 18, nearly three quarters of people have made a commitment. And look at the hugest bit, 51% between the ages of four and 14. That's how significant you guys are. That's how significant what you're doing is. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. I think we'll maybe stop there. Thank you for embracing my little toy. It's fun, isn't it? So, a couple of things I want to say to you is that children are significant, but also, if you're going to be able to leave a legacy with your children, what you need to do is you need to earn the right to speak into their lives. Uh, when Archie and I were in a really rough part of Aberdeen and uh, were ministering to kids from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, there was this one Sunday, we used to get about I don't know, 80 to 100 kids that used to come along. There was this one Sunday where these two lads walked in the back of the room and uh, in the church we were at, they had a bowls club midweek that had like these carpets at the side. And as these boys walked in, they must have been like year six, they had these two cans of like that high energy drink that they think looks like beer. 
So they kind of like swaggered in with these cans of beer, plonked themselves on the carpet when everyone else was sitting beautifully in the boxes that we'd marked out for them on the floor. And I was like, oh Lord, I need you to help me here. And uh, we started singing a song, and in that song was a good bit of rap. And uh, these, one of these boys at the back started break dancing at the back over here. So I was like, huh, I've clocked that. So I said to our guys, can you turn off the music for a minute? And I said to him, listen, mate, I loved what you were doing. Would you please come uh, over and do that for the rest of us while we're worshipping God? Because we can worship God with every part of our bodies. And... Uh, we started the music up again and this lad started breakdancing at the front here and his friend was getting closer and closer to the middle of the group of kids. And then we played a whole load of games and had crazy characters and water and gunge and mess and food and all of the kid things that kids love. And I kid you not, by the time I got to teach them about Jesus, by the time we got to that part in our programme, these two year six boys were sitting down by my feet with their hands on their knees and their mouths wide open, <laughs> just ready to listen. But you know, I had to get to their level first before they were willing to listen to me. And so before we talk about leaving a legacy, let's just think about, I guess you talked about that earlier, Nicola, didn't you? What are the kids, what do they love? What are they interested in? What do they enjoy? And if that involves getting messy and creating a bit of mess in your kids' ministry room. So be it, if that means we can speak to them about Jesus. It's the most incredible opportunity that we have, people. Uh, so, we need to make sure that we remember kids are significant and that we need to get to their level before they're willing to listen to us. So we're going to think about what, leaving a what legacy you guys can leave. What significant legacy you can leave. I've been reading the Bible in a year. I have to say that I'm not very good at reading. I'm probably a little bit dyslexic, so I'm much better at listening to it. And you version has transformed my life. Because I can click on something I want to listen to, and I can listen to it, and I don't have to read it. And it's just been amazing for me. So with a friend, we've been going through the Bible in a year. So we've done Genesis, Exodus, and we're actually in Joshua just now, we've just done Deuteronomy, and seeing uh, Moses' journey uh, from being enslaved with the Egyptians to him being now in the Promised Land is most incredible. Yeah. Uh, and his obedience to God, I love how time and time again it says, and Moses did all that God had commanded him to do. Anyway, there's this bit in Deuteronomy 11, and we've, we've already touched on it because it's also mentioned in Deuteronomy 6, uh, where What's happened is, Moses is saying to the people, you have seen the most incredible things. You have seen the uh, Egyptian plagues. I mean, talk about miraculous and talk about seeing things that are totally supernatural. They had seen all this stuff happen. They then parted, God parted the Red Sea. They walked through the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness. A manna was falling from heaven. I don't know about you, my breakfast often doesn't fall out of heaven. Or my lunch, I mean, it was almost like it fell out of heaven today. Thank you very much to your team. Uh, but they had seen all these incredible miracles. The ground had jolly well swallowed up some of their enemies. I, I, I don't walk down the street and see the ground swallowing up my enemies. I don't have many. Uh, they had seen these most incredible things. And Moses was saying to them, these are the things you've seen, but your children haven't seen them. 
And so then he says this. There we go. Deuteronomy 11. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your house and on the gate so that, these, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord has sworn to give your ancestors. As many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. And so I think, for me, one of the most significant legacies that we can leave our children is by telling them about our personal experiences. The things that we have, uh, we walk in day in, day out. The things that God is doing in us today and the things that he's already done in, the, in us. But not only that, we want them to experience God for themselves so that when they have their own children, they have stories to tell too. So one of the key things is ourselves. And I thought we could just look for a moment at ourselves, just to take a little inward moment. We've been talking about lots of other things. We've not really been talking much about our own hearts. And so am I reading, I think the next slide, next one. Ourselves. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Click again. We can only lead where we've already been. So you need to go somewhere before you can lead them somewhere. So, next one. Am I letting God speak to me when I read the word? Recently with my children, I've been saying to them, before we read our Bible, before we go to bed, kids, let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to us. Because his word is alive and it's living and he wants to speak to you today, not just to me. So we pray together and then we read the Bible and then I say to them, so what's God saying to you? And sometimes it can be like totally, really? Uh, and sometimes like, gosh, you've totally hit the nail on the head. Because you see, one day they're going to be at university. One day they're not going to be in my house anymore. But I want them to be able to apply what they have read and then another thing that we said, I've said quite a bit to our kids' team is in James it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This isn't a game, folks. This isn't a game. Imagine your pastor turned up at church on a Sunday, had just read a little bit out of the Bible, had downloaded an online uh, uh, preach, read it without even thinking about what God was going to speak to the, his people about or her people about and just delivered it. I know far too many kids teams that download something online and just read it to their children without letting God speak to them first. Actually, we're going to be judged more strictly. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to say, to tell you what you're doing is significant. Please let God speak to you first before you speak to the children. Because actually, in kids' ministry, we're not, not missing out. Because God wants to do something in us too, so that he can do it in our children. Actually, what Mark said earlier about, actually, as, as kids' pastors, we know more because we have to teach more. Actually, to be able to understand something, we have to understand it for ourselves first. There was someone on our team who had come from France and was helping for a little while in our kids' ministry. 
And one of our kids, one of our pastors has said to me, Jude, do you know what this girl had done? She'd come to me with all her commentaries. And she said, I've been reading about this passage I'm talking to the kids about on Sunday. There's this one thing I don't quite understand. Could you explain it to me? I was like, wow, that is amazing. That she had got all these commentaries out in a foreign language to try and work out what it was that God was telling her about before she could speak to the children in her church. Isn't that amazing? And then we had uh, a 13-year-old girl. Now she, actually, she was probably a bit younger than that. She was probably about 12 at the time. And we'd given her an object lesson to teach to the children. And her uh, big sister is now one of my children's pastors. And she had found on her mum's bed... Yeah, Hannah. <laughs> she had found on her mum's bed a camcorder. And this 11-year-old girl had done her object lesson. She had videoed herself four, five, six times to see how she could improve it, to see how she could be better, to see how she could communicate more effectively with the children in our church. If an 11-year-old girl can do that, come on, people. Come on, people. So one of the legacies that we want to leave our children is helping them to take the word and to apply it to their own lives. Then the next thing is, what does our prayer life look like? <laughs> We've already talked that we believe in a God that does stuff. We believe in a God who answers prayer, don't we, church? We do. Yeah. You guys definitely are half asleep. <laughs> we believe in a God who answers prayer, don't we, church? Yes. We do. And uh, one of these families that I've been talking about, um, who are now part of our church, uh, recently, they, they don't come every single week because life for them is very chaotic uh, and they live quite a long way away and we have to now give them lifts because they're in a safe house, they can't be anywhere uh, in the vicinity of where we have church, it's, it's very complicated anyway, she'd sent me a message and said, Jude can you get the church to pray my cousin who is four, fell out of a third story flat flat onto the concrete and hit a windowsill on the way down. And his brain is also swollen. He's been flown to Glasgow from Aberdeen by helicopter or wherever you get flown in. Um, and they've had to take half of his skull away to allow for the swelling. She said, the doctors have said that he's not going to live. Can you pray? This is a lady, I don't even know she's made a personal commitment to Jesus yet. <laughs> She says, Jude, can you and the church pray? So the next Sunday she was at church and I said to her, would you just come to the front and we can gather around you and pray? Okay. So she came to the front and we prayed for her. And that week she said, do you know, Jude, they prepared a room to take this little boy to, to tell his family he wasn't going to live anymore. They'd done a brain scan, there was no brain activity. As they went to this little room, the little boy lifted his hand. They rushed him back to where he'd had the first uh, brain scan, did another brain scan and found brain activity. She uh, sent me a message last week saying that this little boy is running around, is talking normally, is totally fine. And then she said, God done good you, didn't he? <laughs> our church's first response but our kids first response in a in a situation that they're meant to be let's pray yeah. because God does stuff yeah. 
one of our site kids leaders. So um, there's five of us staff that are central, and then we have people who volunteer and oversee the kids' ministry at each of our sites. So Esther is one of those. And uh, we had one in the city centre, and uh, the site kids leader said to me, she does preschool, she said to me, Jude, uh, this week I felt so encouraged because a dad came up to me and said, I haven't been very well this week. And wee Phoebe just said to me, can I pray for you, Daddy? Prayed for him, and he felt loads better. And then she said, oh, my little boy, I told him I was tired. And he said, can I pray for you, Mummy? And she prayed, and he prayed for her. I love that our kids' first response, if we teach them well, is to go to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But we need to be people that go to Jesus first. We need to believe that God is the God who does stuff, so that our kids know that he's the God who does stuff. Uh, the next thing I just wanted to mention was, um, are we eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts? It says in Corinthians, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I um, grew up in a charismatic church, which just basically means that uh, we believe that what we see in the Bible to happen is what we believe that God can do today. We're giving him full authority to do any of that in our church. But my husband, as I mentioned before, was in the Church of Scotland and uh, hadn't ever really experienced a charismatic until we started going to City Church. And uh, he'd heard of people speaking in tongues and had said, listen, I would really like to be able to speak in tongues. It says it in the Bible. So surely it can happen today. Every week he went forward for prayer. Every week nothing happened. And he would meet with our pastor, senior pastor and be like, I don't understand. He's got a theology degree, so he's got a lot up here. And uh, he's like, this is what I see written in the Bible. But why am I not? Is everyone else making it up? See when people are laughing, are they being totally irreverent? He just could not understand it. And so he went down to help at a kid's um, weekend away in my home church back in the south of England and uh, one evening they were praying that the Holy Spirit would just come and I got a message from my husband at 3 o'clock in the morning I woke up to it saying I couldn't get up off the floor Jude I've been stuck on the floor for 3 hours laughing, crying, shaking all I can say is it was like the presence and the power of the glory of God and the weight of that just totally pinned me down he came back home, and I, I kid you not, he could not stop laughing, crying, shaking for days to come. Then we had a, a conference, uh, one of our leadership conferences, and they said, does anyone want to put, speak in tongues? He's like, yes, I've been saying this for ages. And uh, he, he was trying to speak, and only like, came out of his mouth, and nothing more. And suddenly, he, God unlocked this most incredible language for him that he could speak in. That wasn't my experience. That's not how I experienced speaking in tongues at all. But we went back up to our bedroom, and he couldn't speak in English. It was driving me insane. Please, please, can you speak to me in English? You see, he eagerly desired spiritual gifts. What I want to make sure I say to you is, just because you don't have an experience like Archie did, I've never had an experience like Archie has, there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of heaven. Good. All God is saying is eagerly 
desire, eagerly pursue the spiritual gifts. And if you're feeling like, I want that for myself, we're going to make some space later on, we're going to invite you forward and we're just going to say, God, would you come? Because it's not what I'm doing, it's what he wants to do in us. You see, coming back to our church, little old Inverurie in Aberdeenshire, Archie can now lead our congregation in the things of the Spirit that he couldn't do before because he's been there. And so are we going there? Are we eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts? And are we making sure that there's space in our kids' ministry for them to experience the Holy Spirit, for them to practice the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, I do that whole dry bones thing when we were singing it. I don't, I don't know that song. That's a new song to us. Is it a million song? The second song you sang this morning. No, that was the first one. Anyway, doesn't matter. There's a bit that says about dry bones coming back to life. And just as we were singing that, I think sometimes when it's a new song you don't know, you notice the words more. That's terrible, isn't it? But um, as we were singing that, I was like, I think there's some dry bones this morning, this afternoon, that God wants to bring back to life. And if you feel like you're one of those, I feel dry, God wants to meet you this afternoon. We're going to make space for that. Uh, and then lastly, am I worshipping with everything I have? Um, I actually got one of our um, team to send me a video link, but it's actually 11 minutes long, you'd be sitting here for a very long time. And so I'm going to just tell you the story. But it says in Psalm 8 verse 2, it says this, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. This lady, her husband, had become a Christian when he was a teenager and walked away from the Lord. He was on a journey back to faith. His parents were in a moment of separation. His dad had made suicide attempts. The police had been round. Uh, it, it was a really key moment for them as a family. And uh, just before he was about to go and be with his parents as they were making these final decisions of what was going to happen, he got his guitar out, and their two-year-old, maybe she was three months, said to him, Daddy, can we play My Lighthouse? And so Daddy, who's on this journey, coming back to God, having been a worship leader before, said, okay. So they started playing My Lighthouse in their lounge, and they were singing My Lighthouse. It talks about God's light shining in the darkness. And uh, this mom was like, this is so exciting. My husband's playing a worship song. So very sneakily, she went downstairs with her phone. She did a wee video while he wasn't watching and sent it to her mum's WhatsApp group in the church. Being like, guess what? Stephen's playing my lighthouse. This is amazing. And uh, basically, we found out that at exactly the same time as that, in somebody's living room, a whole load of those mums had also gathered together. And the kids, the twos and three-year-olds, were saying, can we sing My Lighthouse? And then there was another family who were in their car, and a little one said to their dad in the car, Daddy, can you put on My Lighthouse? And all the children, at exactly the same time, were singing about God bringing light into the darkness. And exactly at that moment, Stephen would say that was the moment this family decided they were going to stay together and they haven't looked back. You see, 
Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Our littlest ones are significant. Not just our older ones, not just our teenagers, but our littlest ones too. Who knows what they're babbling away in worship on a Sunday morning? Who knows what that's doing for the kingdom of heaven? And then there's this bit in Psalm uh, uh, Matthew, sorry, 21, uh, where the chief priests are in the temple and they're saying to Jesus, have you heard these children? They're making so much noise. They're singing Hosanna to the son of David. And they ask Jesus, "Uh, uh, do you hear what the children are saying? Jesus says, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, that doesn't look quite right, does it? has called forth your praise. Have a look for that yourselves. That's basically what it says. We always have a bit of a laugh in our church. We always say, you couldn't really open a paper bag without having a bit of a song of worship first. You see, as a church, we're passionate about worship. As a church, we love to worship. And actually, our kids have caught that. We always have our kids in for the first few songs in church before they go to their kids' ministry. And actually, I don't know about anything else, but it teaches the church a whole lot about worship too. But I tell you, the church moves more in those songs than they do for the rest of the service. So what does our worship time look like? Are we modelling to our children that worship is important? Because then we'll see it. That's another legacy that we can leave. Oh, that was just, that's the cherry. Okay, so what significant legacy can we leave our kids, ourselves? We can only lead where we've already been. And then the next thing is a relationship with God. We don't want to just teach them about him, we want to lead them to him. We want to lead our kids to God, not just teach them about him. How are we making sure in our kids' ministry we have space for them to worship? How are we making sure we have space for them to pray? How are we making sure we have space for them to exercise the gifts of the Spirit? How are we making sure they have time to experience God for themselves? Because he wants to have a personal relationship with him. He wants them to have that relationship. Because when they go to university, they're going to remember the relationship, not what they've been taught. So, let's check him all, running out of time. So, uh, not just what legacy can we leave our kids, but also what legacy can we leave with our children? Brilliant. About a year ago, we were doing a series on the gifts of the Spirit in church, and we'd just been doing about prophetic words and words of knowledge with the kids, and this week was going to be to do with healing. And I was doing the kids' ministry uh, that Sunday, and I said to the kids, just, just before we do anything else, we're just going to have a moment where we just ask God if there's anything that's wrong with anyone in this room or in the adult room. And so, you know, God can speak to us in different ways. And you know how, if, I, if you all close your eyes, and uh, if I tell you to picture an apple, you know how you can see an apple in your mind? Well, God can put pictures in our mind just like that too. And also, he can speak to different parts of our body as well. And so it might be that you get a funny sensation or a funny tingling in a different part of your body. 
And so they all drew three closer eyes and all their hands started popping up all over the place, the things that they felt. And I was writing down this list thinking, Lord, I really hope you're in this. So I was writing this list down and at the end of our kids' ministry, we went through into the, uh, where the adults were. And uh, I said to the children, I'd love it if you would share what you felt like God was saying to you for the adults in this room. And so they went all the way down the road, said all the different things. And after each child, we said, uh, if, if that's you, this was a moment of faith, would you like to stand up? <laughs> oh, please, Lord, put the kids up for me. <laughs> Someone, please stand up. And literally every single one of those children, somebody stood up for. And so then those children went and prayed for the people that had put their hands up. The next Sunday, or during the week, one of those ladies had had a sore left wrist. And she said, Jude, I hadn't told anybody about my sore left wrist. But you know, it's been totally healed. So I said, would you share that in church next Sunday? And so next Sunday, before the kids went through to their kids' ministry, she came up and she shared to the children, to the rest of the congregation, my left wrist was healed because the, God, the kids heard from the Lord and they prayed for me. You see, our kids can leave a legacy with us on our church today. Whereas adults, we could be nervous about sharing what we feel might be from the Lord or it might not. Kids don't have that. They just share what they feel and then they step out in faith without all of the baggage that we as adults have. They can teach us so much. As you might already say, the first one, sorry is they can be an example to the church. There's loads of other stories I could tell you about examples that our kids have been to the adults in our church. Um, but also, together we can have an impact for the kingdom. You might have already realised that I'm passionate about child evangelism. That's one of my hobby horses, is that actually there's so many kids that don't know Jesus out there. And we have a responsibility as a church to meet those children. And so we go into schools and we do assemblies, we run holiday clubs, we put on events between times to try and connect with those people. But one of the things that we do on Sundays, we try and teach our children about evangelism. And we try and teach them about having conversations with their friends about Jesus. And one of the things that we do is we have something called the bring a friend game. It's a little bit like blackmail. <laughs> So what they have to do is if they bring a friend, they get to play the game. <laughs> so all these children start playing this game because, or start inviting their friends because they want to play this game. And uh, there was a family about seven, maybe seven years ago, who this little girl was pestered and pestered by her friends in school to come along to church. And she came and she brought her mum and we're just going to watch their story. So it's called BFG, I'm a friend game. Hey, I'm Tammy. I'm Caitlin. I'm Brian. And I'm Kate. And we're the Doherty family. Um, we just wanted to share a bit with you about uh, our journey, really. Um, I first heard about City Church through my children, actually, through Caitlin in particular, um, having been invited to church um, by quite a lot of people. And so she kept asking and asking about church. And Brian and I weren't religious at all. We weren't. We didn't uh, have a Christian upbringing at all. Uh, so we didn't even really know what we could tell her when she was asking about Jesus. So we began to read the ch children's Bible to her. Um, and then 
lots of people, lots of friends um, invited you to church, didn't they? Um, and it was all kids from our village who came to, to City Church. And if I'm honest, I think the reason we actually took her uh, was to put her off. I think we thought, uh, both of us, but certainly me, I thought, I can't keep saying no. And so I'm just going to take her and then she'll realise how boring it is and she won't want to come back. Um, that's not really what happened, is it? Um, so we came along and she had loads and loads of fun. I think my experience, um, actually right from walking in the door, was being met with such incredible people who had the biggest smiles and were so warm and welcoming um, and, and so not fake. Um, it was just completely different from anything I'd experienced before. Um, people who'd genuinely taken an interest um, in us. And so I guess our story doesn't stop there. Um, Caden uh, wasn't with us right at the start, it was just Caitlin and I that came to church. Um, but then uh, he did come along and had a great time in Mad, didn't you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, um, so it all started when I was in Mad and there was a thing in a part of the object lesson where they, they like asked if you wanted to be Jesus' like forever friend and um, I did it a few times <laughs> and um, they were talking about baptisms and so I decided to get baptised. Yeah, that's where my story began. Well, I'd always been kind of part of the City Church family. Um, because my family went to City Church and I went along to events and big events and Tammy's baptism and I'd always been curious because it's not what church I thought church was it's a lot more vibrant, a lot more lively than what I thought church would be um, so I was always kind of curious anyway but um, there were many, many people praying for me for a long time that I would follow them in faith. And um, I had always said that I wouldn't just come along for the sake of it, I had to feel something first. Um, and Kieran had invited me to his baptism, so that was last Easter. And I came along and he spoke so well um, that I. I don't know, I was just blown away by him. And then during worship that day, um, I had my first encounter with the Holy Spirit and couldn't deny God's presence anymore. And from that moment on, um, I gave my life to Jesus. What I want to get across to you all that is that kids are powerful and God uses them in incredible ways and, and don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that, um, that they are mighty in God's kingdom. Uh, it talks about it a lot in the Bible, but actually one of the things I heard recently was um, that we need to stop thinking of kids as cute. Well, you are very cute. Um, but we need to remember that actually Satan thinks they're dangerous. And they are. You are dangerous to him. You are you are powerful in God's kingdom. And so when um, your kids want to invite their friends along to church, try and do everything you can to, to make that happen. And even though you probably have that moment, Brian and I have both been there, where you're then thinking, gosh, I need to have that conversation uh, with that mum or that dad. 
just remember that God has that. Remember that God is preparing their hearts. Remember that he is m mighty enough and strong enough to deal with the no, and it's not a reflection um, on you if that happens. But um, just please keep encouraging your kids to invite their friends along because uh, we, we are a testimony to the fact that it works. Yeah, what I would say uh, about that is we wouldn't be here now. Um, we wouldn't be Christians and we wouldn't have so many wonderful friends mm. and such a fantastic life if it wasn't for our children and if it wasn't for the Bring a Friend game in Simply Church. Mm. That's so true. Um, one last thing, Caitlin. What would you say to the children who are inviting their friends? I would say that um, if you don't tell them about Jesus and about God and bring them to church, then who else is going to do it? So it's definitely worth it. Good job. Yes. That's right. So bring your friends, people. Brilliant. What you don't know is that Tammy then ended up being one of my children's pastors. And I lost her about a year ago because now her and her husband head up one of our sites <laughs> and are pastors of one of our locations. In fact, they're Esther's pastors. You see, the kids alongside you can leave a legacy in the kingdom. Yeah. The kids alongside you can make a significant impact. And they're dangerous. I love that. They're dangerous. And so I guess I just want to bring it to a close there and just say what you're doing is significant yes. and please remember I have this in our little room at the front when I'm preparing anything I have a picture that says for an audience of one because you need to remember that what you're doing isn't for the praise of your pastor yeah. isn't for what those children's parents are going to say to you but it's for the king of all kings and it's for an audience of him and him alone